Hello and welcome to Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. This is episode three, Letting Go, from 1985. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And this is our first sort of man in red sports car from Never on Tuesday moment, I think, going back to Cage Club. Keanu in this movie plays stereo team number one in the movie for about two minutes. And sort of like Man I Read Sports Card, the movie around it is kind of sleepy and earnest and weird. And then this, like, burst of life comes in. (laughs) And even if we're not watching it for Keanu, like, even people just watching it normally, they'll be like, wow, like, who is this guy? And, you know, Stereo Teens number one and number two who come in. It's just like they're, they're, like, ripped from another movie. And it's kind of amazing. This, you know, if he was already well known, this would be a cameo, I suppose. But otherwise, it's his first sort of walk-on role where he's got like a full scene. He's got lines. He interacts with John Ritter, the star of the film. And you're totally right. Like he pops in this scene, and him and his buddy, uh, Stereo Teen Number Two, they almost feel like prototype Bill and Ted's in a way. Like I got a lot of that vibe from him especially when he started air guitaring. I lost my mind when he did that. And yeah, he is he is just a presence here. Because the whole movie is about dealing with loss and dealing with grief, and it stars John Ritter, whose wife died. It stars this woman, Sharon Gless, whose boyfriend cheated on her, and like has, she's been miserable. And it's just like super sort of depressing and sad, and they're both trying to move on and trying to you know become better people and get past it and sort of you know embrace the future. It's just depressing, because they don't really do that in a movie like this, as you can imagine. That doesn't really happen until the end. Because, I mean, if they accept their life early on, there's no conflict. Like, that's not a movie. So for most of the movie, they're just sort of depressed and anger and bitter and all this different stuff. And the movie is like, it gets fine. It's a TV movie. It's sort of a little cheesy, kind of. But it's also fairly well done. And then Keanu just comes in, and it's just like this whole other thing. And like you said, it just wakes you right up. Like, it's it's just great. The movie's called Letting Go, and it takes them the entire movie to let go, right? So it is it is just like this up-and-down emotional sort of roller coaster where they're happy, they're sad, they're angry, they're depressed, and the movie kind of wears on you for a bit, but John Ritter comes to work one day, really, like, about to explode. <laughs> yeah. And Keanu just pushes him over the edge. Like, him and his buddy are there messing around with the stereo equipment while John Ritter's trying to make a sale to actual customers. And he explodes. And this whole scene is like where all the energy, I feel, of the entire film went. (laughs) Like everybody got it out in this sequence. Like the only other burst of life that I can even remember, like I just watched this movie and there's so much of it that just sort of like, it just is. Like it's not bad. It's just not a thing that I'm going to rewatch. But the only like time that I remember anybody being like animated is in the commercial at the very beginning. Which they showed three times throughout the (laughs) movie. Turn that off. Turn that off. And then toward the end, when John Ritter lands in Philadelphia, because he's like had this fear of flying because his wife died in a plane crash, and he gets to Philadelphia, like gets down on his hands and knees and like kisses the ground. He's like, I love Philly. I don't care what they say about it. But like, the rest of the movie, like they're just like people just walking around and like in recovery meetings. Like it's just weird and sleepy. Yeah, it's very it's very strange. 80s couples therapy film. I don't know how to really explain this. I, I suppose 
this type of therapy may have been new outside of AA. You know, they've been doing like AA since the 30s. Sure. So group therapy isn't anything new per se, but to have like this mixed group that they're representing in this movie feels sort of cutting edge for the 80s. Yeah. You know, you got like this widower, you have a, a single woman, you have a gay guy, you know? Like, the gay all... guy sort of blew my mind. Yeah. Like, I was just like, yeah. this is kind of progressive for 85. Yeah, Keanu's starring in some, you know, hot topic uh, film so far night heat doing the whole cop shooting <laughs> this one you have you know these issues the film is not really based around action <laughs> so, per se so yeah i kind of drifted in and out watching it but that that keanu scene's great and there's a couple other little 80s touches about this film that i really picked up on one of my favorite little 80s touch and has nothing to do with the movie itself is that at one point joe cortese who plays this guy neil who has been dating Kate, the Sharon Gless character, he just shows up in this obscene fur coat. Do you remember what I'm yes. talking about? Oh, yes. I it is like my favorite. It is the, it's the best. It's so good. That is amazing. I, it reminded me of the Seinfeld episode where Elaine's boyfriend shows up with a fur coat on, just doesn't think <laughs> anything's wrong with that. And yeah, that's something you could only get away with in the 80s, I felt. And he was supposed to be sort of the narcissistic, good-looking representation of success, right? And right. that's sort of what slipped through her fingers. And she's pining for this guy who spends, you know, I can imagine an hour on his hair in the morning and <laughs> walks around in a fur coat. It's crazy. It's so good. And like, they even show him like getting ready for the morning. Like he's like fixing his hair and then doesn't she do it too? She's like, I don't even see like what the point is. Like, it's just like, <laughs> you know, as the woman, she's supposed to be like stereotypically the one who spends all the time in the morning. And even she can't figure out what he's doing in front of the mirror in the morning. Like this is not the guy for her. And the whole movie, I mean, it's sort of obvious that, you know, they're, she's going to get together with John Ritter. But the whole movie, from the time they meet, it's just like, do it, guys. Like, yeah. it, just just do it. And at one point, they, uh, they compromise one another. I can't, I can't wait to figure out what verb we're going to use for compromising <laughs> Keanu Club. Well, I don't know if they got all the way in this. I think he was having issues undercover uh, because, you know, he couldn't get his dead wife's image out of his. Rightfully. I mean, give the guy a break, and she does. Sure. <laughs> and she came up with a great sort of reassurance where she's like, sometimes girls don't get it up, but we have the privilege of, of faking it or something. I thought that was <laughs> kind of a clever line to put him at ease about his problem there. Sure. Do you think do you think that if they had had sex if they had completed the act if they had compromised one another they wouldn't have wanted more other, other partners cuz like it's like this crisis of faith that in this recovery meeting they're partnered up so they can get past their loss and they're supposed to go out and like film or go out and do the thing that reminds them most of their partner mm -hmm. and they're partnered up and they're supposed to go out together and then they wind up in bed but they don't compromise one another so you think i mean not that this matters at all for the movie or for keanu club or for keanu's role <laughs> if they had compromised one another would they have had a better more successful partnership or would that made things worse i don't know that's that's a very good question that's a hard one to answer I don't know that it would have made much of a difference. I think if they had slept together, they would probably have these same, like, we need to, we're getting too close, we need to avoid each other for a while feelings. But like you, I was, you know, as soon as they met, which is one of the funniest little meet-cutes I've seen in a long time, where it's she, great. she mistakenly goes to the men's room and he barges in and she yells at him to get out of the ladies' room. And <laughs> the back and forth and drying her tears on the hand dryer blower thing was hilarious. So I was like, yeah, what? what is the deal? Like as soon as they meet in therapy, I feel like the doctor could see it. And that's why he paired them up together to do this sort of list of exercising. Do you think that that's ethically 
good for a doctor? Like, you know, he's trying to help them move on, and he's, like, playing matchmaker? Like, that seems kind of insane a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I don't know if he was doing it subconsciously. I thought he saw something between them, and then not necessarily trying to get them together, but seeing that they could work off each other well to help each other. You know what I'm saying? Even if it was okay. inadvertent, I think he said, oh, these two should be together. Like, there's something about them in that way but uh, yeah I, i'm gonna say if they did sleep together i think it would have progressed the same they would have ran downstairs to the doctor and said we need different partners and then later on everything might have played out the same all right that's fair i'm okay with that oh i called them a broken-hearted losers club and it was all awkward and sad so that was it's just like they're all just sitting around the lake oh, this is when he left me i, I miss his kind eyes i, I don't understand like it, is this i'm guessing this is a canadian production did you get that vibe I got the vibe that this was shooting Canada for New York. You know, it was <laughs> unmistakable. Some of the scene scenery didn't look like New York, but at one point the doctor is like, oh, this is like the sixth time we tried to see cats and uh, we haven't been able to make it. <laughs> our patients keep barging in on us at night and stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay. Cats really only played at the Winter Garden Theater in New York, so they're trying to play, play this as New York, but people are saying a boot and things like that. So, <laughs> so it's like uh, classic Canada as New York here. As we learned from Larson on the Pay the Ghost episode, Toronto as New York, big thing, even back in the 80s, I guess. One thing that I think is interesting to note is that when they are in that scene in the middle where Stereo Teens 1 and 2 are on screen, Stereo Teen number 1 is Keanu, number 2 is this guy Leslie Toth. Did you know he was in episodes of Hanging In, which Keanu was in, which we did not see. Wow. He was in episodes of Night Heat, wow. which not not the ones that he was doing. And the first real Keanu connection, he will be in that Disney Worldwide at Disney Young Again thing with Keanu. Wow. So in a couple episodes, he's going to be coming back. I don't think he's a big role. I don't see him on the first page of IMDb, but he's in that with Keanu. So that's kind of cool. I'm guessing these are sort of staples for young Canadian actors to be on Night Heat, to be on Hanging In, to be on these different things. But to see him actually on Young Again, it's kind of cool. It's the first Keanu connection. Yeah, that's that's surprising. I didn't think we'd get something so soon like that. I mean, I know we have a couple connections coming up sooner than I expected, but this is this is fun to find out. You know? and, and you're right, you know, it, all this stuff was shot up in Canada. They probably, you know, around the same age. Heck, maybe they even have the same agent. You never know, right? Like just this guy representing young kids with black hair that are kind of tall and can play five years younger. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the really the only thing worth talking about in this movie is that scene that he's in. And like we were saying, John Ritter's really had a rough day, a rough morning. He shows up to work late. He rolls in. His co-worker's like, where have you been? I got people asking questions. And he's trying to give this demonstration of like this 46-inch TV or something. Mm-hmm. And while he's starting that, Keanu and Leslie Toth come in. They're like, hey, where are the stereos at? And they say in the back, and Keanu makes this noise, and I'm not sure exactly how to spell it, but it's like, hoi! We're like, boi! Like, the first thing we hear him say is just like this, like, cool, like, thanks, man, but it's just like a noise? It's great. I love it. And you can feed him. Where's the stairs? In the back. Boogie. It's unintelligible. I tried to put subtitles on, but my DVD had none, so I was like, I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, Yeah, I tried to find subtitles, but I could not figure out where subtitles were on this DVD, and I was just like, well, whatever. Because I want to see how they spell that. It's like hoit or boit or oit or something. Boogie. Just some, like, skater skater lingo, I think. Boogie. And they're just, like, goofing around. Like, they're not, like, 
doing anything bad, but like they are making, they are driving John Ritter crazy, and he's like, stop messing around with that, and they're just like, they're being, I guess, like falsely respectful, but it's just like it's great, like because it's, it's like they they feel completely ripped from a different movie. Like I don't understand <laughs> how they fit in the story, how they fit in the world. Nothing about what they're doing makes any sense. But because of that, like, it's the most entertaining part of the movie, like I said, whether you're in here for Keanu or not. Hi, folks. Oh, hi there. I hear you're interested in our top-of-the-line large-screen projection system. Let me show you some of its features. Beautiful. We have... Hey, guys. Don't mess around with the stereo equipment, all right? Sorry, sir. <clears throat> yeah, let's stand back for a little better view. Oh, I think that's better. Now, uh, it's got a 46-inch flat-screen... I said, don't mess around with that. Hey, are you messing around with that? Hey, I'm not messing around with that. Sorry. Now, the uh, circuitry has multiple inputs, including cable, antenna, audio. Look, this is sophisticated equipment here. This is not a toy store. It's not? You two guys have a problem? I got no problem. Not until I met you. Okay, Pat, I want you out of the store right now. Hey! Hey! Punk! Hey! 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 hey. Garrett! Stop it! Stop! Come on, Alex! Father, you let's go! Right now! Stop! I don't believe that they're really being as disruptive as it seems, right? In this sequence, we're sort of through the eyes of John Ritter's character and he's really heated and anything is sort of going to set him off. They kind of seemed to know what they were doing and then at one point they got like really condescending I think, right? Where they're like, oh sorry sir, of course we'll behave <laughs> like we're not doing anything wrong mister. Yeah. And it, that just freaking, John Ritter just can't handle it. Starts like attacking them in front of he the other cops. punches customers. the other guy he punches him in the chest. Stereo <laughs> yeah, team number two just like gets like a, a blow to the chest. Like it's crazy like John Ritter loses his mind and the coworker's like, hey man, like what's going on? Like this is not okay. He's like, oh sorry, I've just had a rough day or whatever, but they make him lose his mind. Yeah, and the guy's like, man, they're just kids, you know, they're kids being kids, and they really are just being kids. Like I said, like Keanu starts air guitaring, and I lost my mind because he's gonna Sorry. be famous for air guitaring in a couple movies with, with Bill and Ted. And and I think John Richard definitely could have handled them a lot better, a lot more professionally, and give me a moment, I'll be right with you guys, that kind of talk, or, you know, why don't you go check out the VHS that we have for rent, you know, Superman 3, my favorite Superman 3 <laughs> Easter egg in anything ever, a copy of it right there, right on the shelf. Uh, hang back, guys, be cool, and uh, I'll sell you this rad stereo in just a moment. I just love it. I love it so much. Just because, because like it doesn't feel it just doesn't make any sense i mean they're just i i I don't know how many times like i can say the same thing like it just they do not belong in this movie and the fact that they're in here is just like remarkable what might be going on is some kind of director thing where it's like at this moment john ritter needs to sort of confront an enemy or something needs to set him off so it's almost like these mythical sort of beings come into his (laughs) place like these elves to you know cause disruption to set him off and then they're gone forever from this movie like magic they just disappear or something and i don't know if i'd put it past this director for doing some kind of clever interpretation like that turns out that we're both very familiar with this director yeah this guy the director is jack bender who is probably like the director of lost i mean you know tv shows they all have different directors for a lot of episodes what did he do, like 30 episodes of Lost or something he like that? Like he did like, like a... 40 episodes of Lost. Yeah. He did, yeah, out of like, 
how many like they had like a hundred or something or like a hundred ten or eight or so he I mean he did like a third of loss like he is like the guy i don't know if i'd put it past him to try and and work something like that into this this early on in his career who knows <laughs> uh, he certainly went overboard with the wardrobe if you ask me i don't know if you picked up on the total 80s-ness of the wardrobe that some of these people were wearing but it was just it was like okay a blazer over a sweater over a collared shirt with maybe a tie it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl and then like a <laughs> giant overcoat i was just it was driving me crazy well there the one outfit that i really remember aside from the fur coat was when they're like trying to like film the taxi cab because that's the thing that kate remembers most about neil and they're like weaving through traffic like for, for really for no reason and then they're like that's him that's him like film this car and then that like woman gets out with what i can only describe as like an outfit crazy enough that just like only a model would wear and it's just like oh like this is just like so 80s and over the top but like really not for a reason just because i think like they could you know what i mean well i think it was it was like a fake out right like, <laughs> it was like oh yeah it's, it was supposed to be her boyfriend and it turned out to be a woman dressed as a man almost like a almost look like david bowie to a degree or something like that or annie lennox i don't know I, I there's a couple fake outs like that in this film right not just thinking a man is a woman or anything but the movie starts with um like a building on fire and a lady screaming for her life and, <laughs> and the fire brigade comes and rescue her and 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 she's like oh you have very rough hands try this lotion and it turns out to be a commercial i was just so confused right off the bat that as a god bender you're misdirecting us right from the start i was i just looked up to see if jack bender directed one of my favorite episodes of lost which was expose nikki and paolo but he did not because oh, that episode yes. starts out with a fake out so i was wondering if now that we're sort of talking about the lost connection here if he had done that one as well but it wasn't him it was somebody else <laughs> he had pulled an old trick out of the bag <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, I'm gonna, I don't know if you're familiar with my 1985 TV movie, Letting Go, but I got a great idea for how to start off this episode of Lost. So like, let's just, let me just work my magic a little bit. Razzmatazz. Razzmatazz. So yeah, I mean, there's nothing else really noteworthy about this movie. There's nobody else in this movie or who wrote the movie or directed it or anything that's ever going to come up again in Keanu's filmography. It's just Leslie Toth in Young Again. Um, so this seems sort of like some of the earlier Cage stuff, kind of like a one-off something that worth seeing worth checking him out in but it, there's no connections or parallels to anything else in his career at any other point yeah and i think much like never on tuesday with cage if you put the movie on and watch it and you know build up and wait for keanu sure like you're gonna probably get a bit of a better payoff for it because you waited for it but maybe you could go just find this scene since it is only one complete scene that he's in maybe you could just go find that online and and watch that and, and the presence you know i mean he just he, he almost feels like cage did almost sort of somewhat fully formed when he appears on screen like you're just gonna have to groom him just a little bit to uh to make him into keanu proper but we can still see the Keanu that's there. Like, it's just like that, that burst of, I don't know, I'm just excited. Like, this is like, like, just like things like this. Like, I know that we love Keanu. Like, we know Keanu from his big movies. But it's like these little moments, basically these cameo roles. Although, like you said earlier, it's not really a cameo because he's not a known quantity. Like a walk-on role. It's these like little bursts of life where like, we don't know who he is. And we just see him there. We're like, oh, like, like we made the right decision. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like this guy has this sense of life. He's got this sense of like enthusiasm. He's probably on set. For, like, he probably filmed for maybe like two hours, but like, he gave it his all. Like, it's just great. Yeah, and to start off, I was a little worried that we'd be kind of stuck in TV land for so long. But now I'm 
I'm a little more excited because, you know, I know that from here on he's more of a central figure and with television, he'll be able to grow and he'll learn so much that we'll be able to kind of see that happen to the point where he debuts on the silver screen. I look forward to that. And I do as well. That'll just about do it, I think, for letting go. Any final thoughts? No, not so much. I mean, it was it was great to see a, a film with John Ritter I hadn't seen. Growing up, I was a big Three's Company fan. Probably watched that when I was a little too young. Didn't fully understand the subtext of those shows exactly. But uh, I, I knew him from Stay Tuned and Bride of Chucky and Sling Blade and Bad Santa and, you know, his unfortunate death when he was making the show Rules for Dating My rules. Teenage Daughter. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, like, I had really liked John Ritter a lot, so it was really good to just to see him here as well as the Keanu. Absolutely. I don't really know some of like the 80s comedy icons as well as I should, so I mean, this is not really a, a showcase for his talents, because it's kind of like a whatever movie, but it's always nice to see him in something else. So for all things Keanu Club, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can find our past podcasts, future podcasts, other shows on the network, all things Keanu and Zac Efron and Nicolas Cage and monkeys, you know, the big four over at cageclub.me and facebook.com slash cageclub. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manson. And we'll see you next time on Keanu Club. 